Welcome, everybody, to another edition of the Big Blue in the Bronx podcast. Be sure to hit that like button, comment, and subscribe. Turn on post notifications so you know when a live stream pops or a video drops. Also, you can drop a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts for us. And I know I didn't have an episode on Saturday, but, you know, we're slowly coming back from the bye week and all these things. I wanted to do a discussion uh, because we're technically kind of the halfway point of the New York Giants season this year. And I wanted to bring on Big Dash Knows. Uh, he's at 900-some-odd subscribers. He's only a few away from 1,000, so let's get him there. Let's start right off the bat. Uh, your thoughts on the 2022 season, Dash? Uh, man, pleasantly surprised, man, if I'm, if I'm going to be honest, going from, you know, beginning of the season, what I thought, you know, going into the preseason. Um, I thought we were going to be better than last year, but I did not expect the start that we had, and um, I'm just excited about it, man. I'm just excited. Um, everything I thought Wink was going to be pretty much turned out to be that. I know in the beginning we thought, oh, between Mike Kafka and Brian Dable, who was going to call the plays? And then we see Mike Kafka got that too. And I, and I actually like that because uh, it gives Dable the chance to actually be the head coach and just, you know, manage everything else. So I always like that. But, yeah, man, I'm pleasantly surprised with the season so far. What about you, Mike? I would I would use those words to describe it as well. I mean – the defense, though under talented in some areas, I mean, just the way they're playing, the way the way we're just grinding out football games. I mean, how many double digit comebacks the Giants have had this season, whether it's on the back of the defense or Daniel Jones or Saquon Barkley. I mean, just a one word to describe this team is very resilient, and hopefully they pick that up through the second half. I mean, it gets a little tougher in a you know a couple of game stretch when we have, um, you know, the Commanders look. A little bit nicer, as we've seen in the last few weeks. Um, but the Cowboys on Thanksgiving, that's going to be an interesting game. Then Commanders at home, then the Eagles at home, then the Commanders on the road. Yep. And then later on, the last game of the season is actually in Philadelphia. So, you know, we'll see how long they could, of course, stick around with some of these cats. And, you know, maybe a little later on, we'll get into possible playoff stuff and talk whatever. But uh, let's start out with the offense. And one of the storylines coming into this year was Daniel Jones, just the player yeah. himself. Is he going to improve? How much is he going to improve? Um, personally, I would like to know your timeline on Daniel Jones based on your thoughts, starting from when he was drafted to now. So, you know, what you thought of him his second yeah. year, some of the issues and all that stuff, I'll let you take the floor. Yeah, um, when we first drafted Daniel Jones, I, like everybody else, surprised, shocked. Um Really didn't do a lot of research on Daniel Jones. I was a big Dwayne Haskins guy coming out of college um, that in that draft, but also Josh Allen, too. I thought we were going to go defense in that in that draft. So when we got him, you know, I was like, well, OK, you know, let's see what happens. Um, and then the preseason happened and he got the nickname Danny Dimes in the preseason. So I was like, OK, well, let's go. And then I was different from a lot of people because um, I really thought Eli was on his last leg. Some people still thought he had a chance, you know, with just a running back. So, um. When we lost those first two games, you know, I was I was one of those few people that were ready for Daniel Jones. I was like, my main thing was like, if we're going to lose, I'd rather lose with a rookie in there than, you know, to lose with, you know, possible Hall of Famer, who I think is going to be Hall of Famer, Eli Manning. Um, and then he started off hot, man. Won the game in Tampa Bay next week with the uh, against the Redskins at the time or the Washington football team at that time. And um, I was sold. I was sold even with the turnovers, even with the fumbles, you know, I, I – I kind of said, you know, chalk it up to him being a rookie. I liked the numbers at the end of the year. And um, I was like, okay, well, we got us a guy 
Sherman got fired. <laughs> Everything else happened. And uh, and then it went all downhill after that, for, for the most part. You know, injuries to Saquon Barkley, not really having the wide receiver uh, core in there. Um, outside Darius Slayton, you know, who had his best two years, his rookie year, and his second season with Daniel Jones. And then it just was the Joe Judge and, and the Jason Garrett show after that. And a lot of people, including myself, were ready to go ahead and throw DJ in the Hudson and do that. But, um, you know, one thing I will say is that I'm a Giants fan first, no matter uh, what the name is on the back of the jersey. And if Daniel Jones is going to be our quarterback going into this year, I was like, fine, I'm just going to ride with Daniel Jones. But um, if I just fast forward it, because going over all those, that, that second and third year, it, it's not worth it. It was just heartache after heartache, um, disappointment after disappointment. Um, and But going into this year, you can really see some of the progression um, in Daniel Jones. Now, it's not fantastic numbers as far as the stat line goes, but just a lot of the decisions he's making. You know, he's not turning the ball over crazy. He's not fumbling. The interceptions uh, are not an issue anymore. Now everybody wants him to throw for 300 yards and, you know, four or five touchdowns in a game. But right now that's not our game. Um, and I'm not saying that Daniel Jones is going to be the future quarterback for the New York Giants, but right now he is my quarterback. And um, I like what I see so far. I like what I see for, so far from him because of where he came from and where he is right now. Definitely he's made strides. And, yeah. you know, I think one of the things that just hovers over everything, whether it's the stats or this, that, and the other thing, is the fact that we're winning. Uh, yeah. You know, I remember being in a stream with the Big Blue Crew or whoever I was talking to, and, you know, it's just stupid that the record would be used against him. But now that he's got a coaching staff in place yeah. and also, once again, you know, like the the turnover numbers and, you know, people will have their different theories about whether Kafka and Dable are truly uh, hiding Daniel Jones in this offense. I mean, I still, once again, think he's playing well. He's had a couple of games where he's carried us, um, you know, on their uh, the whole offense on his back, really. Yeah. Um, the Jaguars game, you could you could probably make a case for the Packers game towards the end, the resiliency. So, you know, there's a ton of games you could point out that, you know, he's been the guy in some of those games that puts us, you know, in in front and obviously to win. Now heading on to a different player, different storyline. And I remember you specifically had some grim thoughts on this guy coming into the (laughs) season based off a quote he said, which was stay on that side. Um, That's Saquon Barkley. Yeah. Has your perspective totally just turned to 360? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, 180. Absolutely 180 on, on, on uh, Saquon hmm. Barkley. Because as you remember, I was so disappointed because one thing about Saquon Barkley, that rookie year, fantastic numbers. Um, everything we thought he was going to be, he was. And then the injury started coming. And then, you know, they kept on piling on it in the down years and things like that. And I was like, you know what? Um if if he's gonna if, if he's not gonna do something for this team, we need to we need to get something for him. And that was that was my thoughts. Um, I thought he was I thought he was kind of soft for his size. Um, never ran like a two hundred and thirty pound man. And um, this season, whether he, he, he whether we pissed him off or not, he is running hard. Um, he looks better than he's looked ever before. Um, I, a lot of people said he's back to the old Saquon Barkley. I'm like, no, we've never seen Saquon Barkley like this. He, we've never seen him you know, um, be this physical uh, when, when running the ball. And I like it. And absolutely 180 on Saquon Barkley. Um, and um, I did a video, apologized for it and everything like that, because I remember the 
my main argument was this. I said, if Saquon Barkley has a fantastic year, but we're still losing, you know, you train him at the deadline to get whatever you can get for him. Now Saquon, ball, uh, Saquon Barkley is balling. We're winning, and you absolutely resign that man. Because if you can win with him putting up numbers like he's doing, then you absolutely keep that man. Absolutely. But, yeah, total 180 on that man. <laughs> yeah, total 180. I mean, he's even you can say, well, this guy's playing well, whatever. Saquon's the most talented offensive player we Absolutely. have. And, you know, Absolutely. even though there's some, you know, I would say doubts by people, oh, what does running back matter? Oh, he's old. He's, the, you know, older for a player, you know, whatever. It's just that, like, even let's just say you do get a new quarterback next year or you keep Daniel Jones, whatever they go. Um, do you really want Saquon gone and you have to retool it over again? Like I, I'm totally, in my personal opinion, prepared for the fact that we might actually have a worse record next year because mm-hmm. we're going to get some more guys in, and the fact that we probably will be playing a tougher schedule. Hence, you know, Buffalo they were nine and seven, uh, in uh, what was it? Brandon Bean's first year with Sean McDermott, seventeen, and then the next year was six and ten. So you know they had three more losses on the record. And obviously that was Josh Allen. They were getting some guys in there. So I'm prepared for it, but I'm also living in the moment right now. Um, speaking of skill positions and all that sort of stuff, my my worry, at least, heading into 2022 in terms of skill positions was actually the tight end spot a little bit more than the wide receivers. Now, Daniel Bellinger has been out with an eye injury. Uh, but overall, in my personal opinion, I think the tight end position has excelled a little bit better than the wide receiver spot. Uh Thoughts on that, the tight end position, and did you really figure that the wide receiver position in terms of depth and production would be this bad? Um, you know, I no, I didn't expect it to be this bad. I didn't expect uh Galladay to be injured for the, as long as he's been injured. I didn't expect the issues with Darius Tony and for him, you know, to not be a New York Giant anymore. So um, like going into the season, I was like, we can get the best out of Kenny Galladay. You know, we have a whole new system. He should be able to thrive in this system. And then you know, whatever happens, happens. And, you know, if, if it's the hip, if it's his dedication, if it's the attitude, we didn't know what was going on. And then the whole Kadarius Tony stuff. So, no, I, I expected the wide receiver room to actually be pretty good. Um, for the, I did have question marks at tight end. Um, when we drafted Daniel Bellinger, um, he might have been the only uh, tight end that I did not look at at all. Um, as far as a lot of my, my scouting when I'm going into, like, mock drafts and things like that. Um, didn't know who he was at all. Um, as soon as they called his name, I was like, you know what, let me go ahead and do some research on the guy. And I, you know, quickly I found out, you know, one of the best blocking tight ends in college football, has sure hands and is sneaky athletic. And um, when we got him in, got him in the building, I uh, looked at the, the depth chart at tight end. And I was like, you know what, by default, this guy has to be the starter. It has to be. I didn't believe in Ricky Seals Jones. Um, I, Jordan Aiken's doing pretty good back with the Texans now. Um, he's contributing. And then it was Austin Allen, you know, Myrick and stuff like that. So I thought the tight end room was going to be a weakness. I did not think that Daniel Bellinger was going to step up the way that he stepped up this quickly. And um, even in the games that he missed, you know, he went from being a guy that, okay, he can be a starter to a guy that we actually miss, you know, in those games. So um, pleasant, pleasantly surprised again with Daniel Bellinger. Uh, wide receiver room, uh heavily disappointed definitely agree on that aspect and then moving a little more towards another position we've been talking about for so many years um but i'll start with this give your thoughts little description on 
Each of the guys we've seen start a little bit this year on the offensive line. So that would be Andrew Thomas, Ben Bredesen, Josh Azudu, uh, John Feliciano, Mark Lewinsky, and Evan Neal. Yeah, so I mean, I'll start on the left side. Andrew Thomas, um, I think everybody knew he was going to take steps towards being, you know, the solid left tackle. Um, but we didn't think, well, I'll speak for myself. I didn't think he was going to make this type of leap. Um, we saw his ability in college. Uh, he was the most pro ready, as they said, you know, coming out. And then, you know, you have the injuries to the ankle. You see Becton and, and Tristan Worth, um, you know, getting all, all pro playing well. And was it Jedrick Wills or Williams, too, was playing good. And you're like, okay, maybe we drafted, you know, the, the worst tackle out of the bunch. And then the second season, you know, he, he improved a little bit more. Um, but then still had the ankle issues. And then this year, I don't know what uh, Bobby Johnson did, but he's at an all-pro level. And uh, I love the way Andrew Thomas is playing. I do, I do think he will be an all-pro this year and the first all-pro in a long time that the Giants have had. Now, um, going to left guard, Ben Bredesen, I thought he was coming along um, before he got hurt. He was actually uh, probably improving the most out of all the offensive linemen outside of Andrew Thomas. And then, you know, he gets the, uh, the knee injury. But um, he was – I was actually rooting for Azudo to be the starting left guard. And that was before Shane Lemieux had went down. I wanted Azudo in there because I thought, you know, if he's going to be the future guard, I want him to build that chemistry with Andrew Thomas. Because uh, you remember we did, like, the musical chairs. It was a little bit of Bredesen, a little bit of Azudo and things like that. I was like, you know what, well, let's just keep Azudo in there if he's going to be the guy for the future. But then you see Bredesen take off. And then it was like, okay, well, if Bredesen's going to be the guy, let him get all those snaps, and then all the injuries happen. Um, not when I moved to center, Feliciano, he has some bright spots, um, but I think the bad outweighs the good with Feliciano. I don't think he's where we need him to be as far as uh, pass blocking. I do like when he pulls. Um, he's a good run blocker. But uh, if you're trying to do this scheme, and I don't think we're running the offense the way – that Dable actually saw before the season started. I, th I do think they want to pass a little bit more um, instead of, you know, depending on Barkley so much. But it's hard to do that when, you know, you're getting pushed up in the middle with Feliciano. Um, definitely a, a position that, of need, I think, going into next year in the draft. Um, outside of that, um, Lewinsky, no issues there. I did a video um, about grades for Lewinsky, and I gave him a, a B because you never hear his name. And if you never hear – uh, offensive lineman's name, that means he's doing pretty good. So, he, he, you know, solid for Glowinski. And then Evan Neal, of course, struggled in the beginning, was coming along. And then, you know, he gets injured too. So um, it's, it's it's a lot of things going on with the offensive line. But at the end of the day, I give them a solid a solid B as far as progress, um, them growing together and, and, and meshing and um, being productive. And uh, we saw that earlier in, in the year with, uh, with us having one of the best rushing offenses in the league. Yeah, definitely. I mean, the offensive, this is like, and, you know, it just shows how our standards have gone down with the play of football is that like, this is a league average to slightly below average offensive line. And we're, you know, we're still semi complaining about it, but at the same time, you know, it's giving Daniel Jones, I would say an ample time to throw, um, you know, and also solid running lanes. You know, I mean, they, did solid against the Jacksonville Jaguars, third best run defense, I believe, in football. But then you go against the ja uh, excuse me, the Seahawks, and uh, they lost that game. They couldn't get Saquon going, and they were ironically one of the worst run defenses in the NFL. 
Uh, but yeah, I mean, pretty much echo what you said, Thomas, all pro. I mean, I was, you know, never really giving up on him in his first year. I knew it was going to be struggles and whatever. Uh, the second year, um, you know, he stepped up. He was, you know, obviously there was like a, uh, a difference in Daniel Jones's play, in my opinion, when he went out early in the season in 2021. And then obviously just a huge step up and he's finally getting the respect that uh, he deserves. As far as the rest of the offensive line goes, I mean, I'm having patience with the Zudu. He's a third-round pick. He's got some very good footwork and athleticism, but also some other stuff uh, in terms of IQ and getting really used to the speed of the game. I thought Bredesen was doing well, and he really wasn't known as a run blocker coming into this year, but he's improved in that facet. Um, I know PFF graded Feliciano as one of the best offensive players against the Seahawks. I really didn't see that. Uh, I just think that defenders have the upper hand a lot of the time against him. Uh, Glowinski's gotten better over the last few weeks, and Evan Neal is Evan Neal. He struggled mightily against uh, the Cowboys, but has improved since. And jumping into, once again, a little bit more about the offensive line, I know micromanaging isn't necessarily ideal in a rebuild, uh, but would you and do you think that one of these three, once they come back from injury, Gates, Lemieux, Bredesen should be put in some spots in the offensive line, kicking out John Feliciano out of center. Now, obviously, positives you could think of is just a slightly improved play. Uh, but the negatives is like, you know, all these guys are coming back injured. And Feliciano, you know, he's he's really obviously Glowinski's next to him. They probably have a rapport. Um, so your thoughts on that? Yeah, so um, of course, I'm going to go with uh, Nick Gates. Um, now I don't want to mess up the chemistry that's going on with those guys, um, that they have right now, even though I'm surprised that Gates came back and did as well as he did, you know, coming back, I thought he, he had some eye opening, um, plays last week, uh, in that Seattle game. Um, he was actually, you know, able to get to the second level and be solid. So if Nick Gates is, is healthy and improving, um, I absolutely think, and it might be too late for this season, but, um, going into next year, I, you absolutely give him a shot to get this get his center spot back. Um, uh, when I'm when I'm looking at Perk, uh, is Perk going to be a guard? That's that's my main thing when it comes to Perk. Is he going to be a guard? Are they even going to keep him? Because they're going to make a decision on him pretty soon if they're going to actually keep him or not. And um, here's my thing: if if he can play, if they can get some work at at guard from Perk, then may he might be uh, worth keeping as far as for, for depth. But um, outside of that. Uh, I don't know. I don't know what per Shane Lemieux, definitely a deaf, uh, deaf guy, play guard, can play center. I think you hold on to him too. Um, I'm, I forget if he's up for a contract this year. This is his, is this his third or, or fourth year? His after third. next year. Yeah. This is his third year after next year would be the contract. That's right. Cause he came, he came in with Andrew Thomas. That's right. Yes. They were both rookies at the same time. Yeah. I think you keep a guy like Lemieux cause he has that toughness and some versatility to play both guard and center. Um, Pert might be the, you know, the odd man out. I don't think anybody's going to shed a tear over Pert. Um, but Gates, um, Gate, if I had to pick between the three, um, and only could keep one of them, it's going to absolutely be Gates. Um, uh, with the injury, like I said, with him coming back and looking the way that he looked in that game in Seattle, he's only going to get healthier. He's only going to improve. He has a steel rod in his, in his leg right now. So you don't have to worry about that bone, you know, breaking again. But um yeah, Gates would be the guy that uh that I would hold on if I have if I was forced to pick between the three. Um, but Gates, Lemieux, if I can have my way, both of those guys stay and you know, 
become quality depth guys and Gates can also, you know, push to be the center. And just an add-on question, kind of like what happened in 2020 where Will Hernandez was like the star in the first seven games, then he got COVID, and Lemieux took over. Uh, do you think Zudu is in for the rest of the year, despite maybe Bredesen coming back? Um, It just depends. I think uh, Zudu is growing, um, but I don't think he's done enough in these games that Bredesen has been out, you know, but it is a pretty, you know, serious injury. Um, you know, it's a low-grade uh, strain on the knee. But um, yeah, I, I don't think Azudu has played to the uh, played well enough to actually beat out Bredesen. Now, um, if they have an equal playing field, um, I don't know what the coaches would do. I don't. I really don't know. I'm trying to think about it now. Like who, you know, if Bredesen comes back, do you just put him in there? It just depends on these next couple of games because Bredesen. Um, you figure he was out two games ago. Uh, Azudu's played those games. And now you have it's probably going to be another two games before you get him back. So, because he had, you know, he was put on IR. So, yeah, you know what? If Azudu continues to grow and look good, you probably leave Azudu in there. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, for developmental purposes, you might want to do that. I mean, it's, I, I don't think it's going to get any easier because, I mean, you know, the Texans, they're going to be, a, you know, they're going to be a solid matchup for us. It's, it's you know, it's not like it's going to be a blowout. Lions, you could apply the same thing, but once you get to the Cowboys, where he didn't play a snap against them on Monday Night Football, the Eagles are going to be now. I don't know if because I was watching uh, the Texan Eagle game, I don't know if Fletcher Cox is seriously hurt or he came back in the game. You know, that Jordan Davis, I, I know he's injured right now, but he's going to be a very fierce challenge. Uh, when you get up against that Washington front, when you get up against that Minnesota front, it's going to get harder. And yeah. you know what? If you're Sticking with uh, Josh Azudu right now over some of the guys you have like Jack Anderson and Devery Hamilton, you might as well just leave them in for the rest of the year. You know, continue to grow these guys yeah. and see what you got at year's end. Um, yeah, things happen but, for a reason too. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. So it could be. It could be uh, that you know Azudu is the guy that's supposed to grow next to uh, Thomas, and let's figure out that position as fast as possible, in my opinion. Yes, yeah, yes, absolutely. So um, now, in your opinion, and we were talking about expectations earlier, has the O-line done better with expectations than the wide receiver core? Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, we, we have nothing at wide receiver. I mean, Darius Slayton is playing. It took, it took forever for them to play him. But it, as far as comparison goes, offensive line, well, let me say this. Wide receiver is probably the worst group we have on the team right now, period. And that goes offense and defense as far as a room total. Um, so, yes, offensive line is definitely uh, playing better than uh, – and uh, we're getting more production out of them way more than a, a wide receiver role. And then one final question for the offense. What are your thoughts on – now, I know he caught some heat over this last game. Thoughts over on Mike Kafka as the first-time OC? Um, You know what? I, I'm I'm happy with Mike Kafka, and and for the reason you just said, he is a first-time offensive coordinator, and then he had a hard job coming in uh, with the Giants, you know, developing a scheme with Dable, um, you know, trying to make it his own, you know, outside of you know Dable's influence, and um, I that last game I didn't like the Wildcat that early in the game, um. I don't like the late starts, um, you know, having to, you know, make those halftime adjustments. Uh, but 
if you look at the Chicago, Chicago game, that was a fast start. If you look at the Jaguars game, it went right down the field passing the ball. So, you know, he's still learning, so I'm going to give him that benefit of the doubt as, you know, it's a learning curve, first-time offensive coordinator at all. And um, But I am happy with my cap, with what Mike Kafka is doing. I do think that there's some bread-and-butter plays um, that we should be using more. Um, but he's still trying to figure out what we can and can't do. So I understand um, that he's still trying out new plays. But um, I think we should stick more with what's working, um, sprinkling a little bit of the past game. But right now, this offense is Saquon Barkley and then everybody else. Moving on to the defense, similar question. Thoughts on Wink Martindale in his first year as a defensive coordinator with the Giants? Now, I love Wink, man. Uh, I love Wink as soon as he was announced that he was going to be the defensive coordinator. Um, I was a little bit upset because I remember when Dable first got hired and we were like, well, if Patrick Graham wants to stay, he can stay. And I'm like, oh, no. What are we going to do? Uh, the soft shell defense. And then when he took that Oakland Raiders, I mean, that uh, Las Vegas Raiders job, I was like, yes, now who are we going to go with, you know, as a D.C.? And then Wink Martindale was at the top of a lot of people's lists. Once we got him, um, I did a, a, a deep dive into um, his defensive schemes, watching a lot of tape of the Ravens. And I was like, yeah, we got a guy that can make some plays here. Um, and I'm happy with Wink Martindale right now. And then a lot of the a lot of the things people were scared was like, oh, you know, he blitzes so much and, you know, he leaves his cornerbacks on an island. But meanwhile, I would say our passing defense is better than our running defense right now. I would say the same thing. Um, you know, I would have to give a lot of credit to the DB coach, which we'll get into in a little bit. Yes. Um, yes. But, you know, I, I didn't necessarily have too many worries. I kind of wanted Patrick Graham to leave because, like, you know, yeah, he had he had some quote-unquote rapport with, you know, uh, Brian Davis yeah. from New England. But at the same time, it, you know, he just wasn't going to be the same with Dable like he was with Judge because they were friends. And, yeah. you know, it's kind of convenient in a way, I should say, because obviously we're doing better with our defense than he is with his because yeah. I think this season now, of course, it could be, you know, framed on coaching adjustments or whatever. They've blown three 17-plus point leads <laughs> yeah. with the Raiders. So I'm so happy. today, right? Yes, uh, that was against the Jaguars, actually. So I'm happy he stayed on that side. Um, but one of the players that needed to really thrive this season in order to really pos – in the possibility of getting another contract with the Giants, and he's really doing a great job, probably one of the best, if not the best player on the defense right now. How exciting has it been to watch Dexter Lawrence thrive at the defensive tackle nose tackle position. Yeah, man. Um, can't say I'm pleasantly surprised because I kind of expected it. Um, when we drafted him, we drafted him to be like, in a lot of people's opinion, the nose tackle. And he played out of position for, you know, a few years. And um, I, I expected him to do well moving to the nose tackle, but I didn't expect, you know, him to be the monster that he is right now. Uh, another guy that I feel like if he keeps on doing what he's doing now, he's an all pro defensive player. Um, the man has shown that he can, he's given everybody headaches, whether it's uh, the guard or lining up directly over the center. He, he's a, a handful. And um, is he leading the, the team with sacks? I believe he is, right? He's got four on the season. So I'm going to guess. Yes. I think he, I, I think he is. And look at it. That's a nose tackle. Um, You know, doing the tackles for loss, 
pressures. He's he's running down quarterbacks to the sideline in the Carolina game. So um yeah, love what Dexter Lawrence is doing. Happy that you know we picked up his fifth year option. I was like, you know, kind of surprised at it because he you know he I don't think he deserved the fifth year option at the time. Uh, you know, with his production, but I'm absolutely glad that they, you know, went ahead and did that because now we have him for another year. Um, I do think they're going to actually extend him still, you know, at the end of this season, um, you know, before he even gets into his fifth year option. But like you said, man, Dexter Lawrence is balling right now. He's absolutely the best player on the defense, um, hands down. And I, you know what? We're going to talk about the defense as a whole. So uh, he, he, to me, he's the second uh, best player on defense right now, second best. Who's your first? Julian Love, man. Julian wow. Love has surprised me. Um, yeah, I know, right? That's the same thing I said when it when it, when I wrote it because um I did a video and I did a video on Julian Love and I was, you know, at the time when and I'm saying it, I'm like, wow, um, I'm really saying this about Julian Love, but uh, the plays that he's made in Wink System, you know, in the end zone deflections, leading the league, I mean, lead <laughs> leading the team in tackles, um. Uh, and nobody's even close to him as far as second place. Um, you know, sacks, tackles for losses, pass deflections, only interception we have on the team right now. Um, I do, I, you know, I don't think he's an all pro like Dexter Lawrence is, a game record. But I think as far as uh, expectations go, I thought we drafted his re- replacement in Dane Belton. And then now it's looking like Julian Love needs to be that second guy with McKinney. And he's just as important right now as McKinney right now in this offense. I mean, sorry, in his defense this year. He's really turning into, now that I think about it, somewhat of a clutch defensive role player. Sack against Carolina, interception against Baltimore. Maybe we have a few more (laughs) of those going down the stretch. But he's I've been rooting for him ever since he was drafted because, I mean, I'm a Notre Dame fan, so, you know, I I always like him. Yeah. I mean, and then like, you know, obviously, you know, he had, he had a weird couple of years with the giants didn't know if he was going to come back. I had, I had a concern about the safeties coming in this year. And then obviously uh, it seems that we're proving ourselves wrong or they're proving us wrong. (laughs) Um, Talking about another role player who is older, but I think for the first time in years, we have a guy who is a scheme fit player. Um, He's actually doing his job unlike guys from, Betcher's scheme, guys from Graham's oh scheme. I'm talking about Jihad Ward. Uh, do you? Oh, how man. do you assess his play? And do you think he deserves maybe another one-year contract? Um, I think uh, Jihad Ward is the tempo setter for the defense. Um, in every game, he's been the first guy that, that you see set the tone in all of them, whether it was the first game against Derrick Henry, you know, setting the edge and, and, and tackling Henry, you know, to um, – getting up in the Green Bay game, you know, absolutely the tempo setter. Um, when he first got here, I was like, you know, I, I saw a little bit of tape. I thought he had violent hands. I thought he could set the edge. Um, but I thought he was going to be more of a defensive end in this 3-4. Um, and I was like, you know, it might be a mistake standing him up at outside linebackers. And I was wrong. <laughs> I was wrong a couple times this offseason. Um, pleasantly surprised. Also, um, I, know, I know you know I'm a big – Quincy Roche fan and so when Quincy Roche was initially cut uh from the 53 I was like well you know that's our third best outside linebacker um but they went with Ward they, they kept Timon Fox and guys like that but Ward has been another surprise for me um again I thought he was pretty good 
but I didn't think he would be like the leader that he is on the defense. And I do consider him a leader because he does set the tone. Um, and a lot of people feed off of him. Definitely. Um, so it seems like a stupid question, but for a first round pick, and I'm not declaring anyone a bust or anything, but for a first round pick, would you like to see more production out of Tibbs, <laughs> though he's been held a ton in the games he's played so far? Yeah, um, I was di- I was disappointed, you know, with the injury going into the season. You know, that Cincinnati game with the low cut to the knee. Um, and I just wanted to see him play. You know, you you all that expectation, you know, the the status, the 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 brand, like it, like people say. I just wanted to see you know Tibbs make plays on the field, and we you know we didn't see that for the first few games. And then when he did get on the field, you know, it was a little lackluster. You know, he was a little rusty still, and things like that. But I'm like, um, you know, he's gonna come along. He's gonna come along. And then in the biggest spot, in the biggest spot, you saw him do some things. Um, in that Baltimore game, he got his first sack, happened to be a sack fumble and pretty much what closed the game, you know, in, in Baltimore. So, um, yes, I do want to see more as far as sacks go. He, he is getting held a lot and he's not getting those calls. And with the bye week coming, I'm pretty sure that the Giants spoke with the, you know, the referee, um, all those crews and things like that, let them know that, you know, be on the lookout for these things. Cause he is getting held like crazy. Um, but yeah, because he's the first round pick, because he's um, the hype. At, at one point in time, he was the number one prospect in you know coming out of college. Yes, you do want to see more, but the pressures are up. He's he might not be getting home, but he's he's being felt if that makes sense. Um, but of course, you want to see those uh, numbers you know you know add up as far as sacks go. And I don't th- I do think they'll come. Um, I do think they'll come. I still think he has a chance to possibly get double digits. Might be hard, but still. But um, yes, as far as production goes, I did expect a little bit more, but I see the talent. Definitely. Moving on to um another player from the Andrew Thomas class. Uh, the last two years, well, I mean, I would say more last year, have looked grim uh, for Tay Crowder, sometimes positioned at the Mike linebacker, sometimes positioned the Will linebacker. You know, uh, I think he got more, uh, less snaps than Micah McFadden in the last game. And, yes. you know, he's been on and off for a seventh-round pick, and you can't expect too much. But do you think he'll be tossed at the end of the year, or is he a depth piece this crew should keep along? Like, what are your thoughts on him? Um, I think he's in the proto, the prototype, or um, you would call him a, a constant overachiever, Tate Crowder, which is a good thing. You know, he was Mr. Irrelevant. Um he did have some good plays for us, but you don't. He doesn't start for any other team. I don't. I don't think that's you know something that people would even think about. He, he's not a start uh, starter on any other team. I do like that he is kind of all over the place, but he's inconsistent. You know, he'll have a good game and then he misses tackles in another game, or even in the same game. You know, he makes a great play and then you know he misses a tackle, or you know somebody gets beat, tight end beats him or something like that. So um, I, I like I like the fact that he's you know, able to make plays and be a guy coming from Mr. Irrelevant. But I think he's a depth guy. I think he's sub-package maybe, um, maybe not even because he can't cover like like I think. Um, but just coming from where he came from, being Mr. Irrelevant, being able to make some plays, the big hit on, you know, Derrick Henry to, uh, in, the, in the first game, 
Um, I remember the scoop and score his rookie year, things like that. Um, you know, he's he's been around the ball um, constantly. Doesn't always make doesn't always make the play, but um, I mean he's been he's been solid for us. Not not anything great, not anything horrible. You know, just a solid guy. But um, if he's up for a contract, I think they probably move on with the guys that we have now. Like you said, McFadden is a guy who came along in his last game. He had a pretty slow start too. Um, everybody's waiting for Darian Beavis to come back because um, that was he was looking like he was going to absolutely be the starter. Um, probably beat out Blake Martinez for the spot and play next to Tate Crowder. Um, but yeah, I, I I wouldn't cry over Tate Crowder. Um, right now, I do like what he brings to the table. Um, but I don't have high expectations. Right. And moving on to a little bit more of the Giants rookies. I mean, obviously you brought up Darian Beavers, but he's not currently playing. Um, thoughts on Dane Belton and Micah McFadden. They're not really mentioned too much, but uh, thoughts on both of those guys. Yeah, so I have a story about Micah McFadden. So um, going into the draft, I was a big Leo Chanel fan, uh, um, you know, linebacker out of um, Wisconsin. I was a, a big fan of, of Leo Chanel. Um, we didn't get him, but we picked up Micah McFadden. Now, this is another guy that when we picked him, I didn't know who he was. You know, all the linebackers that I scouted and things like that, I didn't know who Micah McFadden was. So like I always do. I get on YouTube, I go to the tape, I look up Micah McFadden, Indiana, you know, and I'm like, wow, this guy jumps off the screen. Big games against Penn State, big games against Michigan, things like that. And he's all over the place, flying all over the place, is is pretty good in coverage. He showed that in the last game a little bit, and he trusts his eyes. And I think the more he does that, the more he gains confidence, you know, in this defense and with himself, I think he can be one of those guys that can be a tandem for the New York Giants in years to come. If Darren Beavers can um, also be that guy. But then we're looking at two inside linebackers, you know, for years to come possibly with those two. Um, Dane Belton um, was another guy, uh, one of those box type safeties, but can also play deep um, if, if he needed to. Um, but you would rather have him up close and run support. Um, you know, he had the injury, didn't play a lick in preseason. Um, finally got in the game and what? The fumble. First play, the first play he ever had, he, um, you know, fumble recovery. Um, I do like um, that he's um, that Wink is using him, you know, in run support. He's using him in, in pass coverage. I think that when we drafted him, like I said before, I thought he was going to be the replacement for, you know, Julian Love. Um, but I think he's solid. I think he's solid, um, especially where we picked him. He's contributing. Um, I think he's going to be one of those foundational pieces, you know, going going um, forward for the New York Giants. But um, I'm happy with both of those guys' production, especially where they were drafted. If they're on the field and making plays, um, that's that's good for guys picked in like the fourth or fifth round. And moving into the secondary, a position of concern, especially coming into the year and the depth and all these other different things, is the corner position. Um, how do you how do you feel about the uh, secondary and the depth? And I'll show throw out some examples and some scenarios and stuff like that that's currently going on. I mean, Nick McLeod took more snaps this uh, Sunday against the Seahawks than Darnay Holmes. Uh, Cordell mm-hmm. Flott hasn't been on the field. Dory's playing well, and Fabian Moreau has been a shocking surprise. Thoughts on all that? Yeah, so when we, you know, um, the whole Bradbury thing happened, and then the, the main question was who's going to be CB2, and then is Dory Jackson really a CB1? That was the main questions going into the season, and I think that, you know, Dory Jackson proved that he is a CB1. Um, still doesn't have the interceptions, but he's 
Well, he never was a big interception guy anyway, but he's getting his pass defense. He's making plays. He's being more aggressive in run defense as well because he's coming up and making tackles too. Um, I, I kind of don't want him to do that as much because he is frail. <laughs> and every time he throws himself at somebody's knees, you know, he can he can get hurt. Um, but I'm not worried as much as I was in the beginning of the season, and I don't know why. That, and, and that's the question because we don't have a stud at CB2. Well, we, we picked up Fabian Monroe, which – He's been a pleasant, uh, a pleasant surprise too. He's playing pretty, pretty well. He's like, I think he's ranked in like the top ten cornerbacks, and that's crazy to me because he was just sitting on his couch, uh, you know, when the season started. But um, it was a concern as far as um, you know, beginning of the season, and then like I said, we still had these same guys that we thought were going to be an issue, but somehow, some way, they stepped up. They stepped up. Wink Martindale, um, you know, relies on them. He depends on them. Uh, He's not shying away from his, his his scheme because you know there's a weakness at cornerback, and um yeah I was they went from the biggest question mark to one of the strongest parts of our defense, so yeah. How do you feel specifically on Flot and and Holmes? Because <laughs> I've had this burn really inside field because everybody in training camp was was going off oh darning Holmes the interceptions yes. stuff like that. Yes. One of the things that caught my eye because I was at a few training camp sessions is that one of the routes he just got totally eviscerated by Richie James. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's times where he's caught in a pick play and, you know, he's not really a solid tackler. And that, once again, Nick McLeod was playing more uh, snaps than him on Sunday against the Seahawks. And then also Cordell Flott, where, you know, he was doing okay against the Panthers. Then they decided to pick on him a little bit more. And then, you know, they finally just cut to Fabian Moreau and he gets injured and all these yeah. different things. So uh, your thoughts on the two of them? Yeah, uh, Darnay Holmes. <laughs> Darnay Holmes was the training camp all-star. He was a training <laughs> camp all-star. He was he was getting all these interceptions. And then week after week going into this in the season, it was like dud after dud performance. You know, he's getting picked on, like you said. And um, right now, Darnay Holmes uh, surprises me the most because of, you know, I, I was fooled. I was fooled like a lot of people were fooled. I thought he was going to be, you know, one of these top slot corner guys. And, you know, he was doing all this stuff in practice. But that's why practice is practice and games are games. You know, he did he didn't do, you know, any of that, you know, when it came to the season. Uh, Cordell Flott is a young corner. He is just 20. He's very light, still coming into his own, still needs to get his grown man strength and, and things like that. Now, um, I think his upside is a lot better than maybe some people think. Uh, he's still a tall corner, still has a lot of athletic ability, has good ball skills. We just haven't got a chance to see it. Um, if you watch a lot of LSU, which I do because I'm an SEC fan, I'm a big Alabama fan, um, I knew about Cordell Flott a little bit. You know, he wasn't one of the top corners coming out of LSU because you had, um, you know, bigger names out there in LSU. But you can see that, you know, he had the traits and techniques. And sometimes – you know, when, a, when when you grab a kid that, that that's that young, you know, they develop they develop more when it gets uh, to the pros. And I think he has all the traits, all the talent. He just needs to grow. He needs to get a little bit bigger, uh, get a lot stronger, and I think everything else will fall into place. And then who, who was it? Was it another guy that you asked? Well, I was going to – I said uh, Donnie, which you covered, and also um... – Flot, and then you know maybe also as well just Nick McLeod since he's been playing a little okay. bit more. 
Uh, Nick McLeod, another guy that we picked up pretty much off of, I believe we picked him off of waivers, uh, McLeod. McLeod and Justin Lane, too. He's another one uh, that we had. Um, Nick McLeod, special teams guy. Um, but in a pinch, like you said, last week he had more snaps than Darnay Holmes, and he did a pretty good job. He did a pretty good job. Um, that's all I have for Nick McLeod, though, man. Um, I'm still trying to figure out who he is. You know, and why why was he available? You know, because he has he he has the height, he has you know the length, um, he looks pretty quick, um, you know. So why was he available? But again, a good find. Uh, you know, Joe Shane, you know Brandon Brown, they can find guys, and you know we've been benefiting off that because we have no cap space. So all those budget guys we can get, I'm all here for. It. And then if you can get production out of those guys, you know that's a home run in my opinion. Plus on top of a plus um, moving into just probably about three more uh, discussion topics, questions. DJ obviously has improved this year. Um, if you were to form an opinion, do you think he deserves to come back for another year? Do you think he deserves, and I'm not going into quarterback talk officially yet, uh, but do you think he deserves to come back for another year long term, which is really the minority or just say, look, if you get a quarterback, just like get rid of DJ or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that's a hard, it's, it's a hard question for me because uh, like I said, I was ready to toss him because those two years were just horrible. I didn't see any kind of upside, you know, to Daniel Jones. And then the season started and I'm like, okay, well, you know, he's not costing us any games. And then he's actually helping us win these games. And then what do you do? Because when you're going, when you're looking at the draft, none of those guys are either promised to be there or actually pan out. You know, all these big name quarterbacks, um, we don't know what's going to happen once they get into the uh, NFL. So I take that into consideration. Um, also, I'm looking at, you know, his numbers are not outstanding. Again, Daniel Jones is playing very, very well. He's showing, he's showing progress. He's doing a lot of the things that a quarterback should do, you know, um, going through his progressions now. You know, he's audible. He's identifying the mic. You know, he's 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 identifying the blitz and things like that. He's not putting the ball in harm's way. And that's what you expect a quarterback to do. Um, and I think a lot of people are, are giving him a lot more credit, not necessarily than, than he deserves, but that's what quarterbacks are supposed to do, you know, capable quarterbacks. That, that's the things they should be doing. And some of those things are not worth the kind of praise that people are giving. But when I look at, you know, the future is not is not certain. We do have nine more games, but it's all about the money at the end of the day for me. Um, Tyrod Taylor was brought in. A lot of people say to be the bridge quarterback. If we do draft another quarterback next year, he's an insurance policy. But um, I just want people to think about, you know, you you kind you kind of see where Daniel Jones is headed. You know, he's not going to lose you any games. He can make some plays. Um, the QB spies are giving them a little bit of it, an issue now, um, but hopefully Kafka can help with that because there's way to there's ways to scheme um, scheme against the QB spy, and we'll see what happens. Things like split zone and stuff like that. But um, I, I just uh, to, to go with what Joe Shane said. There's nine games left. There's nine games left. Let's see what happens, and then we'll worry about 2023 when 2023 gets here. So I, I don't have uh, an opinion whether we you know we should just extend them right now or not. Because I think once you start making those discussions and he holds all the cards and then money becomes an issue, because if you tell if you tell Daniel Jones flat out right now that we want you here, this, that and the other, then his price goes up. 
And I think that's part of the chess game that Joe Shane is playing with him. You know, when they ask you questions about Saquon Barkley, he's like, yeah, Saquon Barkley wants to be there, wants to be here. And we want Saquon Barkley. We want to talk about, you know, extensions. When it came to Daniel Jones, he's like, well, you know, pump your brakes. We got nine games. We'll see what happens because he knows how much money you have to dedicate to a quarterback, especially when they know um, that you're wanted, they're wanted and stuff like that. So I think Joe Shane is smart. He's playing it smart and um, trying to find the best deal for the Giants because at the end of the day, $56 million is not a lot when you have a lot of roster spaces to fill. Absolutely. Uh, Moving on to two more things. Obviously, yes, we still have nine games left. But do you think out of all the NFL, despite one team being still undefeated, that Brian Dable deserves coach of the year? I'm absolutely. Absolutely. I'm biased as hell. I'll tell you that right now. Um, The Giants were four and 13 last year. Nobody. Well, I can't say nobody because uh, Lou with G Nation to kill me if I said nobody thought we were going to be this good, Mister Eleven Six. So shout out to him. Um, but as far as you know, everybody, nobody was really thinking that the Giants were going to do what they're doing right now. And you know, the the going for two against Tennessee in Tennessee that first week. Um, you know, having his team ready, putting putting the staff together the way he's putting the staff together. Um, winning despite of injuries, man, I absolutely believe he should be, you know, the coach of the year. Cause a lot of people are saying, you know, Nick Sirianni, but that's the healthiest team right there. The healthiest team in the league is the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, I'm trying to think who else is in uh, contention for coach of the year. Um, I'm drawing a blank right now, but to me, absolutely. Brian Dable, if say the giants end up being 11 to six, I think Brian Dable should be at the top of everybody's list as, and especially if we make it to the playoffs, with eleven to six record, I think Brian Dable should be, you know, the coach of the year. Absolutely, no debate. Yeah, I mean, you could also, I mean, I forget who was coach of the year last year, but like for instance, Sirianni. Yeah, they're undefeated. Also, the fact that they are way more talented than we are, way Absolutely. more talented. I picked Absolutely. them to win the division before the season, and right now they're riding on that. Um, you know, Robert Sala, he's he's doing a nice That's job, but once too. again. Yep. I feel that they are way more talented than the New York Giants are. I feel like the Giants were coming into the season with one of the most under-talented rosters in the NFL, and he's doing the most with it, which stands out. Even Um, now. Yeah. Yeah. Now, like, if you go – if you look at paper and you go down the list, the Giants are not – you know, we're not world beaters on paper at all. That's – man, it's all all coaching. I give all – the kudos to our coaching staff. Absolutely. And uh, Dable is the head, head ball coach right now. So I agree 100% with you. And at the end of the day, once again, nine more games left. Do you yeah. think the Giants will make a playoff berth? Um, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, even if we go 50, uh, you know, 500, we still got double-digit wins. And the way that the uh, NFC is looking, I think 11 wins um, – get you a playoff spot, a wild card spot. And that's what everybody's staying the same um, right now. Um, I do think that I do think absolutely the Giants make the playoffs this year. It will be a catastrophic failure if we drop, you know, the next five games or so or something like that. And then we're, you know, sitting at 500 and it's just crazy. But um, no, I absolutely think the Giants make the playoffs this year. I'm going to go ahead and put that in the universe and uh, see what happens in January. Any final thoughts? Um, 
I would like to talk to the fans and tell everybody to calm down, man. Stop panicking. Uh, we didn't get a wide receiver. Kadarius Tony is gone, but we were winning without those guys anyway. So um, stick to the plan. Um, Joe Shane has a plan, unlike the, the previous regime. Um, he told you what it was going to be at the beginning, and he's doing exactly what he said he was going to do. Um, he, he didn't want to kick cans down the road. He didn't want to go crazy with a, with some you know instant success and make some mistakes. But we'll see what happens because I think Odell Beckham, those rumors, maybe, maybe it happens, maybe not. We'll see what happens with that. Um, but, yeah, that's my thing. But everybody calm down. The Giants are 6-2. and two. Um, We're heading to the Texans. Um, if we can pull that one off, we're looking at 11 and 6, 12 and 5, possibly. And it's crazy to even say that. <laughs> that's why I'm laughing now. But man, it's a realistic thing. The Giants could be in the playoffs in January and not just a fluke, you know, the best of the NFC least. No, we'll be contenders in the NFC beast. Yeah. Seems surreal just to talk about playoffs <laughs> in, in, in this type of year. Right. Right, the um, season's usually over. In, in at, at this point, this yeah, it's, it's usually over. One and seven. We have like slim hopes. <laughs> like, ah, oh, we're, we're 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 three and seven. We could try to get in the playoffs, you know, via a wild card and being this this and this team. But uh, yeah, man. If you haven't already, like, comment and subscribe, turn on post notifications so you know when the live stream pops or your drops. Also, sub up to Big Dash. He does some great work. Follow him on Twitter. Uh, he does some great stuff. Once again, he's only a few away from a thousand. Uh, hopefully, once again, we could get there as well. But uh, big Absolutely. shout out to Dash for coming on. Uh, great discussion overall. And hopefully, the Giants uh, get into the playoffs and we see some progress down the line. Yeah, thanks for having me, Alex, man. And like I said, we're all the, the whole community, man. We need everybody uh, support your fellow uh, Giants content creators. I always say that, man. And um, again, thank you for having me on the show. Big fan of yours as well, man. Peace, everybody. Thank you